Good morning. morning. Welcome to everyone. We're glad that you are here today and hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way as we worship God together. We welcome our guests especially. Uh, You're very important to us and we're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship the Lord. A few announcements that I have uh, to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We would like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out as uh, completely as you feel comfortable, uh, giving us your your name and address and telephone number. And especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, uh, please uh, give us your email address and we'll put you on the the list. It's a great way to keep up with the opportunities for worship and service and fellowship here at Community Baptist Church. Speaking of that, there are several things that are coming up that I'd like to call to your attention today. Uh, First of all, Uh, On Saturday, this coming Saturday, it will be the last day of our our upward season. I can hardly believe that. seems like it was just yesterday that we were saying, upward's coming, upward's coming, upward's coming, but now it's almost over. Uh, Saturday will be the last day. So come on out for the last day and join the fun and uh, and share in this time. And then we'll be having our award ceremony for our upward program here at the church this time on Tuesday, November the 19th at 6 o'clock. And that's always a time of uh, a fun and fellowship. It's a time of inspiration. So we invite you to come and share in that as well on, the, on Tuesday, November the 19th. Also, next Saturday, um, we have all been invited to the home of Larry and Amy McDowell for a bonfire at 5 o'clock that afternoon, that evening, and that's always a great time of fun and fellowship, but uh, I, I have to be wondering, a bonfire, really? It's far away from the house. It's far away from the house. For those of you who don't know, their house burned down last October, or October a year ago, wasn't it? October a year ago, so... Uh, yeah, they had a big bonfire a couple, a uh, little over a year ago. So. <laughs> but, but this one, this one's going to be a nice one. It's far away from the house, and we'll have plenty of water on hand just in case. Uh, uh, but it'd be a great time of fun. So thank you, Larry and Amy, for inviting us out there. And that's uh, that's this coming Saturday. Also on uh, December the first, uh, we are going to be kicking off the Advent season with. A program is called a Chrismon program, um, and and after that we'll be having an open house that will be given by the deacons. Now, a Chrismon program you may you may not have experienced this before. A Chrismon 
It's a word that's made up of two words, a Christ monogram. And what these are, they are ancient symbols of Christ. And some of you have, um, have decorated some of these symbols, some of these ancient symbols of Christ, and they look beautiful. And we will be decorating the Christmas tree with these ancient symbols of Christ. It'll be a service of song and scripture reading and explaining about the, uh, about the symbols. And it's a very meaningful time. And so we hope you can uh, go ahead and put that on your calendar and be here on December the 1st for that. Uh, one other announcement. I hope that all of you have received one of these. This is a uh, survey, service survey from the nominating team. If you, how many of you have not filled out one of these? Come on, folks. Confession is good for the soul. If you have not filled out one of these, don't leave here without filling this out because this is the last day that we're going to have this available. Uh, if you don't have one, there's some at the, on the table out front. Don't leave here without filling this out because this is a vital tool for the nominating committee to use uh, to fill positions for the upcoming year. So we need your input on this. Thank you very much for that. So now let us stand and let's greet each other in the name of the Lord. Let's share the love of Christ with one another.
please join me as we read responsively our reading for today titled Eternal Life. Now Christ has been raised from the dead and is the first fruits of those who have died. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. For this perishable body must put on imperishability. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability, and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O grave, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is Good morning. Our scripture for today is taken from Luke 20, 27 through 38. Some Sadducees, those who say there's no resurrection, came to him and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, the first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will, be, will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age And in the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where it speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, He is God, not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. said, where's the music? Uh, all right, we'll go on without it. Okay. 
Can you hear me? All right. Well, I am a part of a lot of different families. I have my immediate family with my mom, my dad, my brothers, and my sister. And then I have my in-laws. And then I also have um, my distant family, like my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my great-aunts, my great-uncles, and all of them. And then I'm also part of a team, which is another family of uh, my sports, which I coach a volleyball team and I coach a swim team. And then in high school, I was a part of a softball team and a volleyball team and a swim team. Then when I was about y'all's age, I was in Girl Scouts, so that was another family I was a part of. Then I have my church family that's out here that I'm a member of, and I'm even a member of my school family at USI, which is um, a college. Well, um, did you? What kind of family are you guys in? Cricket, cricket, cricket. Mom and Dad, yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Well, but did you know? Uh, you know what? Yes, your church family. Yes. Did you know that your school? Keep keep on, Gracie. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> You're all out. Anybody else? Anybody else? No? Yeah, you know. School family? Yeah, your friends. Those? Yeah, those can be your family too. I think they're on the Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your friends. <laughs> well, did... um. Yes, God has created families. They all look different. Some have a mom and dad, like you guys said. Some have one parent. Some have grandparents. Some have guardians. Some have lots of brothers and sisters. Some have one brother. Some have one sister. Some have children who are born into the family. Some who have adopted into the family. But did you know what? (laughs) Although families might look different. There are some, they are all the same in one way. God created families to love and to care for each other. So how great is the love of Father that has lavished us, and we should be called the children of God, is read in John 3, 1a. Okay, so what does that Bible verse mean? That we should be called the children of God. What's that mean? Do you guys know what that means? Yes. Oh, Gracie, am I that boring? I'm sorry, Gracie. I know earlier in Sunday school you were like, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. Am I boring you again? Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, here, I've got a really fun activity, okay? So, since we are all God that calls for a celebration. So, guys, we're going to have a really quick family So, since everybody, Gracie, look, hey, hey, I've got an idea. All right. Since we are all the family of God, and this is our family out here, we're going to have a really quick family reunion. What do you do when you go to a family reunion? And you haven't seen your family in a long time. What do you do? Yes, you hug them. You go hug everybody. So I want you to go out into the congregation, which is out there, and I want you to find somebody that's not in your normal family, like your mom, your dad, your brother, sister, and I want you to go, and I want you to hug them. You can, and you are allowed to hug more than one person, too, okay? So... On the count of three, I want you guys to get up really quickly and go hug somebody that's not in your family because we're going to have a really big family reunion. And then say, I want you guys to hug somebody else too, okay? I want you to hug them, say, I want you to hug somebody else. All right? Ready? 
set. One, two, three, go! Go, go, Gracie, go, go, go! Aww. Somebody that's not in your family. Yay! Yeah, all right, Gracie, come on. I bet I'll have more people than you. Join me in prayer, please. Our Heavenly Father, as we humbly bow, we thank you, Father, for the many blessings we've had, this good weather we've had. We thank you, Father, for you providing this building that we have to worship in. We pray, our Heavenly Father, today as we gather in thy house that we might learn to be have more faith, more need of further spiritual and fellowship. We pray, Father, that you will guide and direct our pastor today as he brings the message. And if there is one here today, Father, that is not lowly as I say, but that today will be the day to hear the word and they will accept you in our life. Guide us and direct us, Father, and help us be more thankful and more thankful for the many things we have. In Christ's name, amen.
Merchant of Geico really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Was Abe Lincoln honest? Does this dress make my backside look big? Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. No, we have not begun taking advertising here at uh, Community Baptist Church, though that might be a good idea for raising some funds. But, but poor Abe. <laughs> I mean, poor Abe, too honest to be confronted by such a question from his wife. Does this make my backside look, look large? Can any of you men identify with that? Come on. Liars. <laughs> You've probably had this dilemma. Does this dress make me look fat? Does this shirt make me look stupid? I'm not going there, you know. And I know that this is a small thing, but it makes a large point, and that is that marriage is not always easy. There are always challenges, large and small, that push at the marriage relationship. Comedian Wendy Liebman once said that she went through a messy divorce, and she says that my, divest, my divorce was really messy because there was a child involved, my husband. <laughs> thought I might get an amen from some of you women today. During a bank robbery, uh, the robber's mask fell off, and he put it back on, and he turned to a man and said, Did you see my face? And the, the man said, Yes, I did. So the bank robber shot him. Then he turned to a woman and said, How about you? Did you see my face? And she said, No, but my husband did. There are thousands of jokes based on our marital relationships, and, and, and probably the reason why is because so many of us can identify with, with all of the idiosyncrasies and intricacies of the marital relationship. And when, when, they, uh, when held up like a mirror before us, we have to admit that, that some of the things that we do and that probably at the time take seriously are really kind of funny. But marriage can be tough these days. Well, our lesson for today hinges on a very interesting question from some religious leaders brought to Jesus about marriage. It's, it's a little unique, but that's what makes this so interesting. The question comes from a group of Sadducees, which were the religious conservatives of Jesus' day. And they only accepted what was written in the books of Moses, which were the, five, the first five books of the Bible. And their attitude was that if it's not in these first five books of the Bible, then it's not relevant to their faith. For example, the first five books of the Bible do not mention anything about eternal life or resurrection or immortality. Therefore, the notion of eternal life was not taught as a part of their faith. They did not believe in heaven or hell. Never mind that, that other parts of the Bible are filled with notions of an afterlife, but according to the Sadducees, there was no such thing as life beyond the grave. And so the question they posed to Jesus is really surprising. 
Teacher, they said, let's think about a hypothetical situation here. Moses wrote that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife with no children, that man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, suppose there were seven brothers, and the first brother married a woman and died without a child, and so the second brother married her, and then the third, and then the same way, all seven brothers married her and died without leaving any children. Then finally, the woman died too. Now then, they asked, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since all seven had been married to her? Well, that's a pretty grim story, isn't it? I mean... Forgetting the absurdity of the Sadducees, who didn't even believe in a resurrection, asking this question about whose wife she will be in heaven. They didn't believe in heaven. Think about, regardless of that, think about what what this says about the place of women in their society. You see, in their culture, women was no more than property to be passed along from one family member to the next in order to keep the estate intact. I mean, think about it. When one, one man dies, if he didn't leave an heir, his eldest brother is to marry his widow. And, and this would continue the man's name and keep the property in the family. So in this scenario, the woman was passed along among seven brothers, like a house or a donkey or a, or a plot of land. But she outlived them all, and then she dies. And so they ask, whose bride will she be in in, in the resurrection? Well, of course, that's a trick question. You see, the Sadducees had no interest in the intricacies of life after death. They didn't even believe in life after death. They just wanted to trip Jesus up and get him in trouble with the people. They wanted to trip him up in his answers and so that the people would disagree with him and and look uh, less fondly upon him. But this wasn't the first time that someone had tried to trip Jesus up. He was pretty accustomed to this, and he was ready for them. He always was, because, you see, Jesus knew the Scriptures better than they did, and even more importantly, he saw beyond the Scriptures to the heart of the one who inspired the Scriptures. So notice what he did here. He told them, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of the the age to come will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. But in the story of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead but of the living, for to him all are alive. Now, notice that Jesus does three things here. First of all, he met the Sadducees where they were. Secondly, he spoke to an uncertainty that many people might have about marriage. And then finally, he answered the most pressing question of all, is there life beyond the the grave? So let's consider each of these points for just a few moments this morning. First of all, he met the Sadducees where they are, where they were. Now, as I mentioned before, the Sadducees were people of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And so for them, if anything was not in the Torah, 
It could not be a part of their faith. So what did Jesus do? He answered them from the Torah. He turned to the third chapter of Exodus, the story of Moses and the burning bush. Moses was tending a flock of sheep and led them up to Mount Horeb, which was known as the mountain of God. And there the Lord appeared to him in in flames of fire from a bush. But Moses saw that even though the bush was on fire, it was not being consumed. And so Moses thought, I'm going to go over here and see why this bush isn't burning up. So when the Lord saw that he had gone over to take a look, God called to him saying, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And God said, don't come any closer. Take your sandals off for the place you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. It's a wonderful story of faith, but notice what God does not say. God did not say, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember when Moses wrote these words, these patriarchs were, had been dead for centuries. But God refers to them in the present tense. I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And this, says Jesus, is evidence right there in the Torah that life after death does exist. God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Jesus insists that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So Jesus answers the Sadducees in a way that they could understand. He answers from their perspective, using the words of the Torah. And that's, why, that's what Jesus does for all of us. He always meets people where they are. And this is to say that none of us really has an excuse when it comes to matters of faith. We, if we're unsophisticated in our understandings, God will come to us in, in simple ways and, and, and with much patience. If we come from another faith, God will show us how the teachings of our old faith point the way to, to God. If we come from a background of abuse, God will wrap God's arms of love around us and gently bring us to a a pure and wholesome relationship with the Lord. You see, Jesus always comes to us where we are if we will just open our hearts to him. So that's the first thing that he did for the Sadducees. He came to them where they were. He spoke to them in ways that they could relate to. Secondly, Jesus answered an uncertainty that many people have about marriage. This poor woman outlived seven husbands. I want you to think about that for a minute. You know, I'm a mystery fan. And I read a lot of mystery novels. And and immediately when I hear something like this, I can't help but to think to myself, I wonder what kind of poison she was using. (laughs) Just kidding, of course. But the Sadducees ask, whose wife will she be in the afterlife? 
Now, I doubt that many of us lie awake at night wondering about whether we will still be married in heaven or not. I mean, we're pretty sophisticated people, and we understand that marriage in this world, especially at this time in history when, when, this, uh, when G- Jesus was confronted by these Sadducees, marriage was considered primarily a physical relationship. In fact, the, the breaking of the relationship, adultery, is strictly defined in, in physical terms. But heaven is not a physical place, is it? It's a spiritual place. And we, didn't, and we don't know what our spiritual bodies will be like, but evidently, according to Jesus, they will not require us to live as husbands and wives. And we even say in our wedding vows, till death do us part. Now let's think about this for a minute. How does this play out practically in our lives here on earth? Well, there are a lot of people who have outlived their spouses. In fact, if we are married, almost half of us will probably outlive our spouses, you know? And we don't want to be morbid about this, but but death is simply a part of life. And, And almost half of all spouses will one day be left behind. And for most of us, that will be a day of terrible grief. But eventually the question may arise for some of us who are left behind, Should I take on a new partner? Should I marry again? Would that be a betrayal of the great love that I had for my previous spouse? And you know something? That's a a very emotional question. And some people have had to deal with that. And some people have struggled hard with that. And and for some of you who have already dealt dealt with that question, you may have discovered that it was a a more emotional question for other family members than it was for you. Sometimes children in particular can make their parents feel very guilty for all the wrong reasons. But the biblical answer to this question would be, by all means, remarry. If that is where your heart leads you, if that will make you happy, if that will help you to to live a happy and fulfilled life, then By all means, remarry. You see, according to Jesus, marriage is only for this world. Your beloved spouse, who is now with God, lives in a very different kind of world. And that world knows no marriage. It only knows a pure and unrestricted love. So you don't need to feel guilty or a sense of betrayal if someone else feels that or fills that loneliness in your life. Remember those vows. Till death do us part. And that brings us to the last thing. To Jesus' most important teaching. You see, in this lesson, Jesus answered unequivocally the most pressing question of life. And here it is. Is there life beyond the grave and the answer that he gave is this yes there is definitely life beyond the grave he not only gave us that answer with his lips but he also gave us that answer with his life the women who went to his tomb after his crucifixion reported to his disciples that he is alive 
And he was. And he still is. Now, I know that for some of us, this seems to, to be good to, uh, too good to be true. And, and a lot of people struggle with this concept of resurrection and life after death. I think it's probably something that most of us at least hope is true. But many of us have a hard time believing that it's true. That great preacher from yesteryear, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, once addressed our skepticism about things like this by pointing to one of the most common technologies of his time. And I know that his reference may seem dated, but the principle is still relevant. Here's what he said. He said, the electric telegraph would have been as hard to believe a thousand years ago as the resurrection of the dead is now. He said, who in the days of pack horses would have believed in flashing a message from England to America? Everything, he said, is full of wonder until we are used to it. And resurrection owes the incredible portion of its marvel to the fact that we've never come across it in our observation. We've never experienced resurrection. After the resurrection, we shall regard it as a divine display of power as familiar to us as creation is now. Now, Spurgeon's language is archaic here, I know, of course. And he spoke these words back in the mid-1800s. But his rationale is right on target. Of course, living more than 100 years ago, he wouldn't believe some of the, the marvels that we take for granted today, would he? He would, have, he would have been blown away by our modern computers and space travel and satellites and TV and smartphones. These things were considered impossible in, the day, in, the day, in his day. And, they're now, and now they're realities and they're commonplace to most of us. And I think the point here is that life requires an intellectual humility. You see, just because you haven't experienced the resurrection, it doesn't mean it's impossible. And the best advice that I can give to you is this. Wait and see. Wait and see. Now, of course, some of us have experienced a resurrection already in our spiritual lives. As that old gospel song says, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And, you know, that's the best kind of evidence there is, isn't it? I spoke pretty much those exact same words to a dear friend of mine when he asked me how I knew that God is really real. And I said, I know it because I've experienced God in my own life. I know it because God lives in my life and makes a difference to me every day. So is there a resurrection? Yeah, there is. There's a resurrection of the Spirit that you can, that can come to you even today. And there is life after death as we are promised eternity in God's house forever. There's a story that I sometimes use at funeral services because it gives so much hope for the coming life. It's about the funeral of Winston Churchill the former prime minister of England. 
It seems that before he died, he planned his own funeral service at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And the service was beautiful. It was magnificent in every way, filled with beautiful Anglican liturgy and and wonderful hymns. And and then just as the benediction was, was pronounced, an unseen bugler hidden in one side of the cathedral dome began to play taps. The traditional melody signaling the end of the day or the death of a soldier. But then something remarkable happened. Because you see, as the mournful notes of taps was beginning to fade away, there was another bugler on the other side of the dome that began to play Reveille. The traditional melody signaling the beginning of a new day. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's time to get up in the morning. This was Churchill's way of saying that even though his body was dead, he fully expected to get up on the other side in the day of resurrection. I, too, have that expectation. And I hope that you do too. It is Jesus' most important teaching, a teaching that he conveyed with his lips and his life. Life beyond the grave is a reality. Because he lives, we too shall live. Because after all, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living even those who are living eternally with him. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, Children of the Heavenly Father. And that is what we are. We are children of our Heavenly Father. And as such, as our scripture tells us today, we will never die. We will be with him forever. That is a great comfort for each of us today that I hope we can take with us as we leave. Let us sing together number 55.
living our as if there is no end, because indeed there is not. Bless us, O God, with the assurance that your promises are true and that the day will come when we see you face to face. Until then, may we work tirelessly for the benefit of God's kingdom, sharing the good news, Jesus is alive. Amen.